first I want to thank our, our new friends, relatively new friends, the Braunschweigs, Michelle and, and Rabbi Yitzchak. <coughs> it's a wonderful opportunity to, to, have, to have this course of, of learning in the house, in addition to the regular learning that goes on, and, and, and to make yourself available in such a way for us. And Hashem's Baruch should give you nachis. Everybody should have only good health and simcha, and each and every room should be filled with brachia and nishun. And I know I say that each time, but I really mean it. I really mean it. And when any time a Jew gives a brach, it's a good thing. Okay, we're, we're learning Tzimayu in the in the Kuntras. We're up to page one, page Tesvav. Tesvav. We're learning Tzimayu is going into seven different means of shmira of guarding our children. Can you imagine how that would sound to the rest of the world? It would sound like a police state. If we would even say that in the secular world, that we have seven ways of guarding our children. It would sound so crazy, huh? Shmira, protecting and guarding and watching our children, seven ways. And we're up to the fourth way. We were talking, <clears throat> I don't want to spend time now reviewing, since really, Rebbe is going to be focusing more on one or two of them in greater detail. Which is the which is the, going to become the focal point of the of the uh, last part, the, the, the last part of the countries. So let's go quickly. We're on page Tesvav. I don't remember if we did that last paragraph on the on the right side. Let's we'll do it again. Vahadova Haravi, Vahadova Haravi, on page Tesvav. The fourth, the fourth area which we have to focus on when it comes to Shmiras, Hayaladim, to watching, to guarding our children. We spoke about this in the past, in the context of this year as well. means that even it means literally it means that our minds are upon them. is something which can't be proven scientifically to make a difference, the fact that you're worried about and thinking about. But worrying doesn't just doesn't mean here fretting. We're not talking about anything uh, anything just nervous. What it means here that that means that having the children in, in mind, keeping the children in mind. That itself, since we all know as Jews we believe that the Torah transcends time and space. And that we have the ability, by thinking about, and by focusing on, and by davening, which we're going to talk more about later on, and by davening for the children, that they're okay. Not only okay physically, all parents are fretting about the children physically, whether they're do, that they're doing okay. Everybody's worried that they shouldn't go to get a cold, they shouldn't talk to a stranger. There are scary things that are, that are going on, Hashem should protect all of them. That, that, that uh, I don't think that any Jewish mother needs any reminder of worrying and being nervous about the children's welfare when it comes to physical things but that it should be that our minds should be with the children spiritually and concerned with their spiritual welfare 24 hours 7 days a week so we see that Rabbi Shmuel Vashila said to Rav that even though he's not able to see all of his Talmudim, he's not able to be together with his disciples, with his students, and to see them, 
Mikomakom Gam Akshav Adayin Datayu Aloyu. Gam Akshav Adayin Datayu Aloyu. My mind is, even when I'm not together with them, I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about them. <coughs> any any parent, any Rebbe, any teacher who's really devoted to Talmidim, to Talmidos knows that this makes a huge difference. There, there was a certain, there was one of the great Sadiqim of the last generation that he was in Warsaw, I think, someplace in Warsaw, and he... And uh, he had to stay the night in some place like a hotel. And the people beneath him were complaining that they heard stomping on the floor. The entire night they were stomping on the floor. That he was jumping around. And it's an odd thing. He's an old man. You know, what was it? He wasn't doing any calisthenics. What was going on upstairs? So in the conversation in the morning, the people that were downstairs says, Rabbi, Rabbi, what were you doing? What was going on? So he said, you know, I, a, a Talmud of mine, a student of mine, was, was getting married last night. In uh, back whatever it was in which yeshiva, I don't remember which yeshiva was. In some place in Lithuania, is getting married, and I couldn't be at the chasna. I wasn't able to be at the chasna, but I was able, Baruch Hashem, to, to dance. I was able to dance, and he was doing this. An older person, he was going on for quite a while. He was dancing. Now, to us, this has such a very odd thing. And if anybody would write this up in a newspaper, think he's crazy. But that tayu alayu, and 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 even though it's very sweet and it's a cute story, but the truth is that we believe. That, it's, that it did have an effect upon the student. I've seen this in my own life, not with my Talmudim, not ten times, not a hundred times, hundreds of times. That, that, that when a Rebbe, when, someone, when you love someone, and, you have your, and, you, and you're thinking about it, and you're worried about it, or you're misameyach with, or you're rejoicing with, even though there's physical space that, it, that separates you, there's, there's a connection. I've many, many times where, where, I, where I, was, I felt suddenly... That, uh, that there was a that there was a Talmud that something was wrong and different things like this over the years that uh, that that uh, 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 that since the neshamas are connected when this, when souls become connected when you when you when you think about someone and you concentrate and you focus on and you add in two or three words of tefillah it's unbelievable what it could do for a person and of course it's only something that is maminim that is maminim as believers in the Torah and Chazal that we know is true because of Therefore, as parents, and this is becoming more and more difficult, we, we should always know where are the children. Where are they? Where are they? That's, that's always, in my home, it's, a, it's almost a joke. And I have the first thing when I walk in, can I know how we have a few children? And I always, I go, I have a checklist I want to know, and I call up also during the day. It's not because I'm being nosy. It's because my mind is on them and I want to think where they are and to know who they're with and every single detail. But as he makes clear a little bit later, that doesn't mean that they should know that you're always thinking about them all the time in such a way that it might make a child feel uncomfortable. But our responsibility is to be thinking about them, to know where they are all of the time. Which is becoming more difficult because it used to be that when they're in the house, you know that they were with you. But nowadays, when they have all these different machines, the kid could be, the kid could be downstairs, but he could be someplace else. That also, you have to know where are the children. Mahim Oisim. You remember they used to be on, used to be in the old days, the ten o'clock channel five. Yes, you know where your children. You know where your children are. And I remember my father. My, that was 
My father, my father liked that news station. That was the only thing he watched because there was a Yid Martin Eibent. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. But you remember he was a conservative. Yeah. He was a conservative yeah. Yid, and he was he was actually Shem Shabbos that morning. Yeah. yeah. That he had a commentary, and he was a Shem Shabbos Jew. So my father always liked to watch that. And I remember whenever they would say, it's 10 o'clock, you know where your children are? My father would always say, yes, I do. He would talk to them. <laughs> I'd always say, yes, I do. I know where they are. And, and, and that was... I, and I liked that. You know, I liked that. You know, yes, I do. <clears throat> it's okay. We have to know that. Hey, friend, and sorry. Mahim Oysin. What are the children? What are the children doing? What are the children? Where, where are they? Where are they? So it's with the teacher of the Rebbe. As much as it's possible for a Rebbe to be involved in the in the lives of the students, which is also a very it's difficult here in the schools and the yeshivas and when the kids go to Israel and they're living more in the. In Eretz Yisrael, the teachers are not more talented in Eretz Yisrael than in New York. Baruch Hashem, we have wonderful teachers here and there. But there's a tremendous advantage to the fact that when the kids are in yeshiva, they're in seminary, the teachers live there and they and 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 they're together with them. It's it's not the same thing as being just going to a class, but to the degree that the teachers are able to have the to, to have the students in mind. Baifin shel kirva. And Chachma Atzuma, as I explained a minute ago, it has to be done with great Chachma. It has to be done with tremendous wisdom. Kids do not like when you ask them, when you drill them, where are you, where are you going? It has to be the tremendous, tremendous Chachma. And I told this to you on a number of occasions, how only in later years I found out that my father knew everywhere I ever was. Which I don't know, Apiteva? I asked friends of mine, they told her, they squealed, I don't know what, but only afterwards my father, my father would say, yes, do you remember that time when you, when you told me you were going to that, such and such place, or to this place or that place, you really went to this place and this place and that place, and then you went at 10 o'clock, you let my father knew every time, everywhere I was. And I, I'd have him to this day, I've asked him a thousand, who told you that, how do you know, I remember back then. That's not, has nothing to do with anything, you make sure to go to the right place next time. That was all. That's not your business how I know. You make sure you do the right thing. And he didn't ask me all the where I was going. I felt that I had tremendous independence. But somehow, and somehow, he knew or he found out. He kept tabs on me. I don't know. I don't know. But this is, obviously this has to be done with Chachma. Don't always ask the children. Obviously I'm not talking about little, little ones. Little ones, of course. No, as they get older, it becomes very intrusive and very... It could become stressful if they feel that, that, that the parents are constantly asking them these questions. Shayelad yargish eza ol. We don't want the kid to feel a burden and all. Raklahepech shayelad yeda keseda shahaba viima yedem eifo anibachal rega. However, the children should know that my parents are always concerned and interested, and they always are aware of my whereabouts. Vamalamid yedeya eifo ani. And my rabbi, Manasseh Zelavad Shmira Atsuma. This is a tremendous Shmira for the children. It says in the Pasuk that those, those who bring merit to the multitudes, which means, which Chazal talk about teachers and other people who are Makarav Jews, who are bringing Jews close to Hashem. So they're compared to Kechavim. Like like stars that shine forever. So the Gemara says about these: Who are these shining stars that are helping other Jews get close to Hashem? 
These are the Malamdi Tinokas, these are the teachers, the Rebbe's. The Moras, Kechavim, Rak, Roam, Balayla. Ubayom, Ain, Roam, Osam. So the, so the Tzadikim say, uh, the Marashah says a very, very fascinating thing. Listen, why are teachers compared to stars? Because, because a star you only see sometimes, you don't see all of the time. He says, In the day you don't see them. See, the stars are always there. They just don't make themselves known. They're hidden. But the stars have an influence over this world. According to, according to the Torah, the stars have a tremendous influence over the world, even though we don't always see them. So it says that, how you makar of Jews, what's a good Rebbe? The Gemara is telling, the Masha is saying that a good Rebbe is somebody, a good teacher, a good parent, is that you're always there, but you're not always seen. You're always there, but like the stars, they shine only sometimes, you can only see them sometimes, in New York hardly at all, but if you go out to the country you can see stars. They shine, you can only see them sometimes, but they're always there, and, oh, and their presence is felt. Every star has its own its influence. The teachers, the parents, the rabbis, even if the child doesn't see them, they have a tremendous hashpah. And this is something that lasts the children, stays with the children forever. Whether they're together with the Rebbe or the other not. But they know that the parents, they know that the teacher has the child in mind. And this is a very deep opinion. This obviously is not a physical thing, although I once read a study about this. I don't remember why or where. Somebody gave me something to read that shows, studies have been made that when you think about somebody, modern studies have been made that when you're thinking very, very concentrating very deeply in a person, it could, it could, uh, that, that person can somehow have an awareness even though they can be across the earth some other place. There, yeah. yeah, there is such a thing that, 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 there are, that there are studies being made of this, that it, it has a hashpah. But we don't need any of the studies. The Torah tells us that when you, even though there's a very deep thing, why is it that knowing about where the child is and, and having this in mind, how does that in some way protect the child? It connects your neshama to that child's neshama. And that somehow, in a deep way, the child is, is being pulled towards you and away from something that is opposed to what you want for the child or opposed to what you believe in. And of course, this, is, this, country, this, is, this contradicts the modern day mentality is when, you know, this feeling that some people have, I'm sure not any of you, but there's this thing that is around that out of sight, out of mind, is that the right way? It's a certain expression. Out of sight, out of mind. And somebody was telling me that they, that, that the only, you know, menucha that they have is, you know, they get everybody out in the morning, the kids are out, and I don't have to think about the, the lotion that this woman used, I don't have to think about them the whole day. So, she's not here right now. This person, and it's, not, and it's not from this neighborhood anyway. But, but that, that expression, out of sight, out of mind, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not from our people. We don't have such a thing. It, it, it could be by bad things. It should be out of sight, God forbid, bad things. It should be out of sight and out of mind. But when it comes to our children, the children have to be out of sight, but constantly in our minds. And it's a tiring thing. And this feeling that now, as we spoke about by Rikas, many times, this expression that I, I need my space, I need my, you know, this whole thing. 
that that our generation feels more of a need for this than any time in the past. So the emphasis is the truth is that even that even when we're away from the children, we have to be thinking about them. Kidas who is kashrus. Because you know that according to the Torah, the word das, la das means to be attached. The Ha'adam Yoda is Chave Ishta. The strongest level of attachment and intimacy is called in the Tanakh Da'as, knowledge. So Da'as, knowing and knowing, trying to know and knowing where the children are and having the children in, in mind, keeping them in mind, is a tremendous, tremendous shmira for the children. This is the reality. That the children somehow, again, not necessarily in a conscious way, but subconsciously the children know that my parents, my Rebbe, is aware of my, where I am and what I'm doing. Where I am. This has a tremendous koyach of shmira. Hadar v'achamishi, the fifth thing. This sounds so obvious, but it's really becoming more difficult also. That we have to know what exactly is it that we're concerned with. What are, we, what are we looking out for? You know how many times I've spoken to young people, young people are getting older all the time, but young people meaning up to the age of, I guess, 21, 22, I, 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 I'm talking to people, Kids who, are, kids who are telling me, Kaseda, my parents don't have the foggiest idea what I'm up to. I'm hearing this every day. Like, I have some kid tell me this, this frightening story about what, about what he's involved in, and, and, you know, asking me for some direction or help. So I said, you know, you try talking to your, you talk to your father or your mother about this? Oh, no. Then my parents think I'm the biggest sadic in the world. I would never, ever talk to my parents about this, they don't have the slightest notion that, that I have this interest or this involvement in anything they wouldn't, they, they, they don't know. And I'm afraid that it could be, uh, could be he's right, I don't know. But I'm hearing this all the time from the children. Many of the kids are living, are leading double lives. Now we're familiar with that, because all of us to some degree, the, the darker side of ourselves, although I'm not, I'm not talking about anything uh, God forbid, terrible. But our, each one of us has a, uh, a little, uh, a little humming. And that darker side, that darker side, we don't want our the ones that we love most and respect most to know about. So we don't want them to know about. Not in this world, not in the next world. In this world, it's much easier to hide things. In the next world, it gets more complicated. So we don't want them to know any of these things. And it seems that there are many, many parents that uh, I'm sure including myself, all our children should be well, that, that you know, afterwards they tell you, oh, you remember, uh, like, you know, when you're older, they tell you 15 years ago when you thought I was like that, and then you hear all these things, oh, my goodness, I had no idea. Part of it is because we don't want to, we don't want to think about anything that we'd rather not think about. Befrat, Hayom, and Hatsime says, especially in our days, she, she read this Adairis that there's a terrible, the, the generation has declined terribly in terms of morality and Shemir Samitzvah, there's a terrible decline. Mahim Hadvarn Shetunim Shmira could be, could be we don't even know as we get older, as the parents grow older, 
we're not even 100% sure what is it that's out there. I'm finding out every day things that I don't even know, I never even knew existed. Uh, certainly when it comes to the technology and, and all these different things that, that, uh, things that are uh, available, things that the kids have access to these days, that the older generation simply doesn't, might not even know about. Even though most people, uh, most adults, because of many adults, because of work and other things, they, they, with computers they know about these things. But there are many things that are that are, that are out there, and I and, and this this uh, this I see this all the time that we don't know what are the things bechlal that require shmir. Vachavetz Chaim vote tzaddikim, Kafenbegin them that they were cooking with this Indian, meaning that they spoke a lot about it. Adam yochel adas beofen nifla vaatzum shetzrichim liyshamir, which is a davar nifla vaatzum that we see that there's such a thing. We saw this midah by 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 the by great tzaddikim, somebody like the Chavetz Chaim, who was completely completely detached from this world. He lived in a, he lived in a tiny little village called Raden, and the Chavetz Chaim had nothing to do with business. He had nothing to do with with politics, and yet he knew all these things. He knew what was going on. He knew the date. When you read the writings of the Chavetz Chaim, and and the Chavetz Chaim was writing about the dangers of this Yetzar and that Yetzar. And, and, and you know that the Chavetz Chaim never had any connection to these things. He didn't know. He didn't. He didn't study these things. He wasn't an expert in these areas, and yet he seemed to have been quite an expert. So, what does that mean? It means that a Jew has to know what to be careful about, and what's dangerous, and what is harmful. This is a dove nifla This is a wondrous thing. He's saying something a little bit in Kabbalah. Now, I'm not going to get into the Kabbalistic thing, but I'll say it very simply. The Midah of a Tzadik, a Tzadik is called Yisod Olam, right? You've heard this, the foundation of the world. The, the Zohar says, and Chazal tells us in many places, that the Tzadik has the ability to join together heaven and earth. The Tzadik is Achit Shmaya Va'ara. He joins together heaven and earth. Therefore, even when we take a person like Yosef at Tzadik, who is the embodiment of that need of Tzadik. Tzadik is Adaylam. Yosef at Tzadik, that same person who was dreaming who, and who was completely separated from the world, that same Tzadik, Yosef at Tzadik was the one who fed the world, who was very much a part of the world, who understood all the ins and outs of the Egyptian court. He understood all of the politics and everything of that time, which is hard for us to understand. When people go in the last generation, when Rabbi Chaim Eizer, or the Chavetz Chaim, or the, or the, or the Gary Rebbe, the Imriyamas, or in our times, how did the Lubavitcher Rebbe know the things that he knew about what was going on in the world, that, that people, that there, were, that there were politicians from Eretz Yisrael, and military experts from Eretz Yisrael that would come to speak to Lubavitcher, they made special trips to America to ask Lubavitcher Rebbe about military strategy. What did the Lubavitcher Rebbe do? How did he know about this, know about that? It wasn't just a question of, of, of books. It's, you know, of course, that's also it. But the, the midah of a tzaddik is to know. Now, how does that apply to silly little people like us, regular people? To know. So, what he explains here is, Kedeshi Yisait Ladas Maholech Ba'aretz. A tzaddik, and in a, in, a little, in a little way, a parent or a rabbi can't be somebody that has his head or her head in the clouds that doesn't know what's going on in the lives of the children. That's not familiar with, with the ins and outs of of the uh, of what's happening to the kids, what teenagers are reading, what they're going through, the, the books that are coming home, the, the, the books that might be brought back from the library. Every parent has an achrayis. I've met some of you in the library. I take my kids to the library. 
I go through I, I go through every single book until they're married. Uh, I'm the grand censor in my house. That's my job. The kids the kids wouldn't dare open any book until they bring it to me. Even though it's a huge tircha for me, it's a hassle for me, and I don't have the time. All the years I sit down with the books and and I and I try to go through them. Uh, not just but to go. Some of them, we you know, from when we were kids, are okay. There are much fewer that are okay nowadays than ever before. And um, and and um, this is something that it's not a chumrah. This is not some sort of a stringency, like some rabbinical type of a thing. This is what a parent's responsibility to know what's out there, to know what is it that our children are confronting, to be familiar with this. What's happening in the world? What particular things present challenges in our own time, in our generation, with our children, and to know about these things, to be familiar with them? So, uh, for instance, this whole tumult that's being made about this Avadazar that everybody's running to, the movies this, that they made about, that they made this... Uh, this uh, Sounds like a, 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 an extremely disturbing uh, misrepresentation of of, uh, of the death of of Isa Hish and uh, which is now a very very popular movie. I understand that it was one of the biggest selling and one of the best weekends of all movies. And 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 I don't know if it's happening, if it's possible, but I'm assuming that that our children are not properly protected from this and they're not properly educated in this area of how to contend with it, of how to deal with these things. And all I know is that in one of my children's school, I don't understand why this happened, but a rabbi got on the loudspeaker and all he said was something, this was what he said, this was last Friday or something like that, he got on the loudspeaker and said that there's a film of Avodah that's out, of idolatry that's out, and you know anybody that, anybody that goes to this will not be allowed back in the school and you have to be prepared to die not to see this film so my daughter my daughter I don't know what I was going to say my daughter that heard this announcement she came back but she didn't know anything about like what this she didn't hear about it and what? you also don't know I think it was a terrible terrible I don't know if the word is chutzpah I think it was, I think it was a terrible mistake I don't know if chutzpah was a mistake to announce no, it like that. If you're not coming back to the school, if you're not, not coming back, back, they don't know about no, it. No, I think it was a mistake. I, 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 I'm, not even I'm not even getting as far as the threat. I think that the, I think that the whole way of presenting it was what just created a tremendous amount of fascination among the girls. Besides saying something so extreme, coming back and not coming back, I'm not even talking. I'm not even getting that far. That's that's a separate issue with that. that Okay, that we know is a problem, but there are klal about threats and so on. I'm talking about like the whole Indian, to raise the whole Indian. So we have this talk, even though I, I, even though it's uh, it's uh, something that I, I studied a great deal and I, I'm uncomfortable having to talk to my children about it. But if my children are asking, so then I have responsibility. So she said, "What's this about?" And she didn't know what's going on. I, I'm supposed to die not to go somewhere. I, I, I didn't want to go anywhere. I just was going to come home after school. And like you know. She hasn't the slightest notion what's about. So the other one, my old one, says, "Oh, don't you know that they're all going to see?" So then, so then she's already saying. Then she says, "But none, none of them know what this is about." This is a frightening thing because, because it must be that there are many, many homes and there are many places, and the kids are not bechalisim. They're going to. I don't even know. I don't even think about what this all. If it, if it, it's a beginning. It's not for now. But the, but the, but the point that I want to bring out, which is, please, it's. 
The point that I want to bring out that's Magaya to us is that if our children are being exposed to this, then we need to we need unfortunately to, to learn about this, whatever that means. I'm not saying that you're not going to hear me giving drushes about it in the shul. Somebody asked me, how come I didn't speak about it in the shul? And, and I had to hold myself from not throwing up. So I'm going to be, be Mechal Shabbos to, go, to talk in front of my people who I love and in front of an Aram Kaidish. Like, you know, if someone comes to talk to me privately, that's one thing. But to go and give, to use those few minutes that I, that I, that I have a chance to, to speak to the Chavra on Shabbos, to talk about what? I'm crazy, I lost my mind or something. But this is this is uh, this, this is something though that we do that, and I explained it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that we that we don't have responsibility to ourselves and to our children to clarify things. Certainly we do, but there's a time and there's a place. How to do it so that it's for that child and for that individual and to explain. And there are things I recommend it to this individual. If you want this, these are certain books that you could read to help you with this. If you need, to, if you want to look into it. If you feel that there are children that you'd like to explain it to, you know the best thing is to, to, to have a munah pshuta and to have simple munah and to understand that this is not, it's not necessary for us to, to go into this. But nevertheless, these are the things that our children were contending, that we're contending with, are contending with in our times, that in our generation we, we didn't have to. Even though as a child I remember that I would watch on television different movies that had to do with this stuff too. And I don't know, we just turned on, there was stuff on about it. But it wasn't... Um, it wasn't in any way, in those times, it wasn't for myself and for my friends. It didn't present the kind of challenges that it might be presenting for kids who might be nowadays a little bit less secure in their Yiddishkeit than in earlier days. The real answer for all of that, of course, is to just to, to make Yiddishkeit more meaningful and to explain to the children why they're Jews. It's very hard for a child to, to, to deal with issues of another religion if they're so unfamiliar with their own religion. And I'm talking even about adults that have gone to Yeshiva their whole lives, but they don't know why they believe in Hashem, or what, who is Mashiach. And adults ask me questions, then how, how do they know that he wasn't Mashiach? So, you know, how do we know that he wasn't Mashiach? Okay, no, it's, it's an important question, but what do we expect if, if the parents don't know these things, and the parents are confused about the basics of, of Amunah, and they haven't studied these things, they haven't read these things, so then the children certainly are confused. So, in our generation, if anything that we can learn from this whole business with this movie is that we have to study more, we have to learn more. We have to take out some books and we have to read and we have to learn to know, know, know more about what it means to believe in God and what's not God, what's our religion and what's not our religion. And maybe from that something good will come from this. Something good hopefully will come from it that we'll know more about our, our Yiddishkeit. But, but that's what he's saying, that in every generation there are different things that we have to know. We have to be in the world. A person can't be separated from the world. He's talking about something in Meaning that there are that there are rabbanim and different places and organizations that are trying to help meetings about different things that that there needs to be more awareness of, uh, of simply what's going on. This is a very common thing that a person assumes that everything is okay because when they see the kid in the house, the kid looks like he's fine. He looks like he's fine. She looks like he's fine. There's my kid in my house. There aren't any problems. We don't do these things. We don't read these things. We don't talk about these things. And very often parents think. In my house, in my house, I, uh, I, I, I'm aware of what's going on, and my kid is like this, and my kid is like that, and they might be completely unaware of what's taking place outside. 
You have many times when the house itself is, is, is a holy place. And of course the child is holy. Every Jewish child is pure. Do we really know what hashpa, what influence a certain friend has? One friend who, God forbid, is not is not uh, talking about the right things, was not thinking about the right things, could take all that you've put into your child and, and God forbid, destroy it. And then how do we handle a situation like that? What do you tell a kid not to be friends? What do we do with these situations? Do we know who these friends are? You can have a friend, the kid comes into your house, and the kid looks like the biggest angel in the world, this friend. And then it could be that the, that, that friend, God forbid, is, is, is poisoning the child. You know how many things my kids have told me? On the on the bus rides, on the bus rides, like a bus is a certain kind of an Indian. I don't know these buses. I wish I could. I wish I could be invisible and sit on them, or just be visible and just. I would go on the bus and sit with the kids on the bus because the things that you know, my girls are much more girls are much more open about what they you know they'll tell you more boys are, are more mysterious. But my my daughters tell me the kinds of, the kinds of things that the boys are saying on the on the bus. The, it's like a pachad, you know the boys the kinds of stuff that they're saying. But the, I'm talking about you know yeshiva boys. The kinds of things that are going on, and not all the girls are saying what they should be saying, and and the, and and then what's I also you know some of these bus drivers, some of these bus drivers are are, are scary people. I have mishagoyim. Some of them, they think that they're like they think that they, they give drushes to five year old kids, six year old kids, and they give like their idea of life. I, I, my kids come home and start telling me that this one said this, this one said that. I I I'll call ten times. I don't stop calling. I call the company. I call the place over here. I don't stop calling them. I say, I want you to know, this is what this is what the children are being told. I call other parents. This is what they're being told. I don't. My kid is supposed to be driven to school, and that bus driver is not my kid's teacher. And I don't want his philosophy or her philosophy being uh, being given over to my children. That's not what the bus ride is about. And that doesn't make a difference. They they, they hate me. That I'm annoying. I'll call a hundred times during the year. Who is this teacher? What is he telling my kids? I have a teacher. I have the teachers that make fun of Yiddishkeit. I mean, not teachers, bus drivers. They make fun of Yiddishkeit. Make fun of the things that then the children are to me as the innocent little children. And I don't know what kind of people these are. That they have some sort of a satisfaction by, by telling things to little children. It's crazy. But this is not one time. I've seen this kisei. You see this all the time. Who are the friends? What are they doing? Who are the people that they're meeting? And he explains, it's brought down in this form. The same way we see that in, in, in regular wars, in wars that take place, physical wars in this world, one of the most popular in this form, when you look at one of the most popular, popular uh, types of, of, of examples that are used are from wars. You see, one of the major problems that we have is that when you look when you look in the medrash you look in the swarm the marshal that's most commonly used the two marshal are, are of the royal court there's a king and there's a prince right almost every marshal begins with a king and a prince or a princess or with something about a war that goes on nowadays we we are mostly are not familiar with we, we don't have any connection or feeling for the royal court. We're not raised in such a society. And as far as Muhammad's are concerned, it's not the usual type of warfare. There are plenty of Muhammad's. There's still a lot of wars going on. But they're different than, than the good old-fashioned types. So, but there's a marshal that's found in the Sarm. Yesh generalim zikainim. Shitzlichu v'nitzchu b'muhammad's hagadolas b'yoser. Sometimes you have old generals. Old generals that they were very successful in their time. And they won many wars. 
And the old generals are always upset. How come you're hiring new generals? How come you're promoting new generals? We have a history of being very successful in war. We've been, we have a tremendous, terrific record of success. Why are you taking new people? Why are you taking new generals? And we're sort of being put on the side. You have the same thing when it comes to work. Which is an unfortunate thing. Sometimes it's done in a very callous way and it's not the time for it. But you'll have people that were doing, they were very successful in a certain firm and they were working in that place and for many years they were doing well. And then you see that there, that, that, that there are new people that are being promoted and, they, and, and the older people feel that this is unfair. Many times it is unfair. But what he explains is, the old general says, why should they become generals? We were the ones that won the war back in 19, you know, we won the war in, 19, in 1918. We won the war in 1944, 1945. What are, you, what are you getting these new people? We were much slip. We were successful. So the answer to that, of course, is, so the answer, of course, to these generals is, all of that was amazing, and we have tremendous respect for you. You're in the Hall of Fame of Generals. And, and we love you, and our country admires you. The problem is, you have old maps of the enemy territory. Your maps are old. You're wonderful, you were brilliant, at the, and you still are. And at the time, you were up to date. But now, you've been outdated. You have old maps. You might you might send a bomb over to a certain place. I will look for but the enemy is not there anymore. In other words, what you're attacking, there's no reason to attack. And where where the enemy is coming from is where you wouldn't ever dream that they're coming from. It's the same way with parents and with teachers. Sometimes we make a big deal, like we, we send bombs, we, we we explode bombs on things that are not really the main issue in the children's lives because we're we're only we're working with what we know. And we have our own backgrounds and our own memories of the things that we found challenging as kids. So we send out all these bombs to, to, to blow up those in Yonim. But the truth is that the enemy is not there at all. That's not the problem. That's not the problem. So many times I have parents that when parents get together, that they could, they could have such an, a tremendous, tremendous anger with teachers. Understandably, the teachers, some are better and some are worse. If we would be teachers, we wouldn't be doing any better. We'd probably be, most of us would be from the, from the worst ones. We wouldn't be from the best teachers. There are very few. Good teachers, some are not so good. Sometimes it's a teacher who was excellent for one kid, but for your kid didn't work out. And very often it's your own kid's fault that it didn't work out, or the parents' fault that they didn't help the kid. There are many, many young. But parents, I find that parents are, are, are angry. Very often they're angry. When, when, when they come talking about something that's going on with the kid, they're angry about about the teachers, and 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 when they, and I ask, what is it that you're so upset? This teacher should be fired. This teacher, this rebbe, this. So in the course of conversation, it comes out that it's like this. It's not, it's not so terrible. The things that they're describing is not so terrible. And it seems to me that they're that the focus of their anger, of their rage, is simply wrong. There are more mistakes that they're making with their children, and there are certain issues that they might not understand about the child. And they might have complaints about the teacher, but, but they're, they're exploding all of their bombs over the, the heads of the teachers or the yeshiva of the school and blaming all of the child's problems on, on the school. When, when very often, I remember I had, years ago I was teaching the yeshiva, uh, it was like an advanced Gemara class. So it was parents' teachers. It was parents' teachers like a whole crazy thing. So... Like, you know, the ones that you need to talk to don't usually come, and it's a whole thing. So, so 
so there was a guy that walked in. It's like a, I could see right away. There's like you know, he came in like with a, to attack me. So he, he said, um, so he came in. He said, what's wrong? How come my uh, yankel uh, on the report card? How come whatever he got a 75? He never got below a 95. So, so I said, he doesn't know. He doesn't know the gemara. That's why he got a 75. I said, the truth is, I was, was going to give him a 65. I thought it'd be nice to give him a 75, <laughs> but he didn't deserve it. So the father starts giving me a thing. He says, he starts telling me how uh, how it's not possible and this and that, and it's because you don't know what you're doing. And he started giving me a whole mishabar. And and I and I said, I said, let me ask you something. Do, do you know? Does he does he chaz the gemara? Does he review the gemara? You ever seen learning? So his father doesn't have a home. He doesn't even know from where the kid. He doesn't even know the kid lives at home. He, he pays attention to chlal. But this is what he said to me. He said. Um, he said, oh, what do you mean? Of course, he, he always got 95s. That's the answer. He always got 95s. There must be something wrong with you. So I said, that could be something wrong with me. There are a lot of boys in the class that got 95s. There are a lot of boys that got 95s unless he'd had 75s. And now they're getting 95s with me. Your kid had 95s. Now he's getting 75. What do you think of that? So he, so he said to me, well, it's, again, it's your fault. So I said, tell me something. How much television does your kid watch? And officially, in that yeshiva, you weren't allowed to have television at all. I said, how much television does your kid watch? He said, what does that do with anything? Tell me, how much does he watch? What does it bother you? How much do you think he watches? So he said, oh, he talks to his wife and it came out. He doesn't know about that either. But it comes out that the kid's watching around two to three hours a night of television. A lot. And especially when it was not, when it was altogether uh, illegal for them to be watching television. It was m- way, way overboard. So, so he said, well, what difference does that make? The kid comes to yeshiva, he's learning, he's studying. You know, he's, he, he knows how to learn. He's very smart. So I, I tried to explain to him. It's like you know. You have, I, I remember I said to him. This is a long time ago. I said, you know, sometimes you have a you have a person that goes, a person that's trying to lose weight. That's always a good muscle. Nowadays, that's much better than military muscle, right? Losing weight is it's because we, you know, you relate to that. So, so I said, you have a person that, that that goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, this is what I told the father. That the, the person goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, listen, Mr. So and so, you know, you, you need to you need to lose 50 pounds, whatever, 80 pounds. You need to lose a, a lot. So the doctor writes a whole, you know, uh, an exact uh, prescription about what, the, what this person is supposed to have, uh, an ounce of cottage cheese, a slice of cantaloupe, you know, all these things are to put on the scale. This is for breakfast. He writes out, mamish prote proten, how much this and how much that, like they have on the Weight Watchers, exactly, exactly. Breakfast, lunch, and supper, come back and see me, come back and see me in a month. Guy comes back, he put on another 30 pounds. <laughs> So the doctor says, what's going on? What happened to you? You didn't stick to the diet? He said, I, what are you talking about, doctor? I, exactly what you wrote. He gets my wife. Every single thing. I never had more than an ounce of cashews and a slice of cantaloupe. Everything. And what about lunch? Same thing. And what about supper? Same what you told me. And what about in between? Oh, in between? You didn't tell me about in between. <laughs> you didn't tell me about Oh, I just did for breakfast, lunch, and supper. No, in between I had milkshakes, and I had cake, and I had, and I had french fries, and, you know, onion, and whatever. So I said, listen, you understand that, that you want the child to be focused, you want a child to be holy and pure, that he should be able to absorb the words of the Holy Gemara, that he should be able to hear what's going to be a kiv, and Rabshim by Yechai, and Rabbi and Zakeh, they're saying holy things, and, the, and the, your son comes to Yeshiva, and we're talking about, you, about, about being a, an Eil Echiyid, about being a God-fearing person, about, about loving Hashem's Baruch, about being good, good to Jews. And, and you're saying that he, you have a tiny, he follows the exact diet. That's true. He comes to school every day. He's a nice boy. 
But what I'm worried about is what he's snacking on in between. In between the meals, what is he snacking on? And if you think as a parent that you're not responsible for your kids snacking on, and you're just going to come in here and yell at the Rebbe, I could be the most unqualified Rebbe in the world. Now, I agree with you. But, uh, but you're responsible for your, what your kid does at night. You're responsible for what your children are snacking on. And if you think that your kid's going to go up to the big tzaddik when he's having all of these snacks, he's stuffing himself with all kinds of tumen. This is a maestro from over 20 years ago. And you think that it's just... And then the next morning he just comes right back in, opens up his gemara and everything is fine and dandy. When he's got all kinds of crazy things rolling around his head from some, from some soap opera or some movie that he saw on the television. You think he opens up the gemara and he just, all he sees is what? All he sees is a bayin rava? Are we crazy? He doesn't see Abba. He can't see Abba and Rav at all. He just sees the images that he saw the night before. And this was before internet. Allah has come of a calm when it comes to now. What do the kids, the boys go, or the girls, they come, they come to school and they open up a Tanakh. This one opens up a Gemara. And you think, that, you think the minds are clear. And when they get up to Davin in the morning, the minds are clear. So the terrorist says, we're measuring the kids by old maps. So we're, so we're going to explode bombs on the Rebbe. We're going to attack the school. We're going to attack everybody and everything. And then we don't realize that we ourselves are not familiar with, the, with, with what, where, is the, where is the enemy these days. Who is the enemy? Where is the enemy? The Rebbe's not, the Rebbe's not your enemy. He might not be the best Rebbe in the world. He's probably a very good Rebbe. He might not be the best. Or she might not be the best more, but probably she's fine. Okay, there could be problems, but that's not the main problem. And the main problems we don't want to we don't want to talk about, we don't want to confront because in some way it might impinge upon what I want to have in my own life. Or we don't want to admit that parents are disappearing, they leave their children by themselves and they're not involved in their kids' lives, and then it's the easiest thing to just blame the teacher, to blame the Rebbe, to blame the principal, to blame the school, to blame society, to blame Khvaiswas, to blame Yasser Arafat. <laughs> to blame everybody on everything but, but you yourself you don't want to have enough rice for your kids or you're making this mistake you're just an old general and you're just not with it anymore you don't, know where the, you don't really know what the war is anymore with the music that the kids are listening to so they'll say oh come on how many times our parents say oh when I was a kid I listened to music and I came out just fine <laughs> there are two caches on that first of all you're not fine necessarily although I don't say that first thing number one number two number two what are you crazy? You think the music that well, you think the music the kids are listening to now is what we listened to in, like in, in 19, 1965 or something? Or somebody says I had a television. I grew up with a television. Is there anything wrong with me? I, I don't know. There is or there isn't. But 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 what was what was the tele, what was on television in 1965 and 1970? Even though there were things that were not for uh, them, it's not everything was so perfect. But what was then and what's now? How did you compare? What does one thing have to do with the other? It's not the, the two different worlds. So you have some parent that what that he thinks the television is not really a problem. It's not really a problem because why? Because we have television, we're fine. Should I ask how many of you in this room to raise your hand if you really think that that's true? I don't believe that any intelligent person would think that that's true. We know that there's a difference between television now and television 10, 15, television last year. So now everybody's screaming and going crazy because because this because of what happened by the Super Bowl, some crazy crazy thing. So everybody's, so everybody, as if, as if all the other things on television are okay, except for this one person that, 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 that she did a disgusting thing on television, and, and what's going to be all these Shiva Bacham saw this. Everybody's worried. What happens when my child, what happens when my son saw that girl on television uh, undressed? Look at these parents out of their minds. Everything else on the television is okay. There's only one minute on the whole year, television, where this lady did such a disgusting thing, that what, that that's the only thing that you have a problem with? And the rest of the thing, how they dance and how they conduct themselves, that the whole thing is so filthy and disgusting that, that parents don't care about. No, because why? Because what do you mean? When I was back, 
do I not daven because I, I watched I Love Lucy? I daven. I like that. I still daven. And is there any problem because of, because, because of, because of Bewitched or Dennis the Menace? I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Make room for daddy. Is there anything wrong with me? There you go, you see? So why can't my children also watch television? I mean, these, are, these are the only people that say these things are the ones who are either, either they're entirely out of touch and they, they should retire, their parents, or, or they're so unbelievably hooked on the thing themselves that they're prepared to destroy their children for their own personal pleasure. There's, there's no other answer for it. Only a parent who's prepared to let the children get destroyed will say these ridiculous things. I have to, because they have to have this machine. They're prepared to, to put the children at risk, saying, well, we watched television when we were kids. Well, my kid only watches Channel 13 or only watches something for school. Well, the Irish guy, you know, people say these things. You don't, you don't know what to laugh or to cry. Your kid only watches Channel 13. You have I never watched in my life. Everybody always says Channel 13. I never met anybody that ever watched Channel 13. Everybody watches Channel 13. You think that the place that they wouldn't be bankrupt? They're always trying to raise money, right? So many people, just from the from Jews alone, it must be millions of Jews that are watching Channel 13. If it's true that everybody only watches Channel 13, they wouldn't have such problems with financial. You see, they're having big financial problems because the only reason that Channel 13 now is different. Of course, they have cable, but when we were kids, the only reason Channel 13 existed was so that every from kid could say, "I watch Channel 13," or that every from parent could say, "I watch Channel 13." Although he asked me, but what? Did you ever see a child 13? I don't know. Some documentary. But that, that's, this is all part of the delusion. You know, I know, I know, and I apologize that I'm like a broken record. I talk about this over and over and over again. And I'm not ashamed. I, I, feel, that, I feel that it's not fair to the children. And I'm afraid that Hashem is going to, is God forbid, going to hold us responsible. And, 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 and I'm afraid for, for, for us that we shouldn't, God forbid, be, that there's so many challenges that, are, that our children have to confront in the outside world. Why do, we, why do we give more of it in their own lives? Any parent, ask any parent that got rid of the television, that got rid of that from the child's life, whether they regret it. I challenge you, ask any parent that regrets it. And it has nothing to do with, and the parents say, well, it's hard for my kids. It's not true, it's hard for you. Don't tell me your kids. Your kids will be fine after three days. You don't want to get rid of it. You like to be able to say, I need to unwind. And I, my husband and I need to watch a movie late at night. You need to unwind. Don't, don't make boobamizes that your kid can't live without the television. Children are very, very flexible. Children can learn anything. I, have, I can tell you about dozens of families where they got rid of it. The kids are fine. And the parents never, you'll never meet a parent that will ever regret it. Ever getting rid of it. They only feel good, not only religiously, that I have my children back with it, that, that we could talk. That my children don't, don't live according to, the, according to this channel, this station, and this time that we have a family. There are many, many reasons. But this is what he's explaining. We might just be completely out of touch with, what the enemy, with who the enemy really is. And we blame schools, we blame Rebbeim, and God forbid, in Shemaim, what if they're pointing a finger and saying, you're your child's enemy. You think that your Rebbe, you think that that teacher is harming the kid because why? Sometimes you have a parent that will go on some rampage. You have some mother that will go on some rampage to destroy some nice seminary girl that, that taught something in math that wasn't 100%. And, they, and they'll call up four mothers or four fathers and, and they'll try to, to, they'll try to, to this teachers and call the principal and make a whole tumult as if your kid's life is being ruined because some teacher didn't teach the, didn't teach the, the, the equation correctly or the numbers didn't come out the right way. But listen, it's all important stuff. You want your kid, you're paying money, you want to get a good education for your children. That's perfectly fair. But that's not what's destroying our kids. 
There's not one Jewish child who didn't go to Gan Eden at 120 because, because of a problem with a tangent or a cosine. Never happened. There's not one Jewish kid in history that missed out on, on Elam Haba because of, because of, a, 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 because of, a, of a, a triangle or a circle or a pi squared. Well, never happened. But as far as what we are responsible for, before we start screaming at the teachers and yelling at other people, what are we doing for our children? And how are we affecting our children? And what do our children receive from us at home? That has an impact. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren till the end of time. And that, that's something we just don't think about. So he explains. That they're dropping bombs, but that's not the enemy. The enemy is already someplace else. Therefore, you need new maps. You have to update all the time. You have to know what's going on. What are the, what's the current struggle? What is the current war? What is the battle that we're in right now? What's happening in the world? What are the kids thinking about? What are they talking about? What are they listening to? What are they reading? What is, what's on their minds? See, just in time for Shabbos Zohar, for this parasha. Where did Amalek climb into now? Where did Amalek jump into in our lives right now? Amalek has different ways. We'll talk about more on Shabbos. Uh, but Amalek has different ways in different generations of how to infiltrate into our lives. What was Amalek's kayak in the last generation? It's not in this generation. And won't be in the next generation. Our, our children, our grandchildren, there'll be different things. A Molek wears many hats and many disguises and many outfits. He has one objective, which is to take away the Nesham of a Jew. To take a Jew away from Hashem's Baruch. But a Molek will wear many, many disguises. And will come in many, in many costumes. Mahu Aisa. Mahu Machapis Kaseda. Kamashama Chazala Kadashim Kachandach. Therefore, we find in Chazal such a remarkable lashon that what Yitzro shel Adam that the Yitzhar of a person is mischadish bechal yom. What does it mean mischadish? It's renewed every day. But the deeper meaning of this is that every day is a new Yitzhar. What was what was yesterday's Yitzhar is not today's Yitzhar. It's mischadish alav. It's mischadish alav bechal yom each and every day. It's it's a new Yetzahar. It's a new Yetzahar. The sixth thing, I'll just say outside, and I want to skip to the seventh because I want to finish till Yud Beis. The sixth thing that Tzumay explains is seeking advice. Again, this is something which nowadays, for many people, is very uncomfortable. But the tzaddikim, the tzaddikim have taught us that when, when there's anything that we're worried about with our children, God forbid something with their health, we'll immediately go to speak to experts and doctors and we'll, we'll try to find out. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust ourselves. We try to speak to people who know more about this, this issue of health than myself. That We always do that. But when it comes to Ruchnias, when it comes to spiritual matters, very often parents assume that they know everything about spirituality, they know everything about Yiddishkeit, which no one would ever say to a doctor. No one would ever, even for, even for the smallest little thing, if God forbid a child has a, a, a 104 and there's something a little bit, no, no, no responsible parent would say, well, you know what, 
I think this is the same thing as last time. A, a person with a, a parent, a responsible parent, would go, call the doctor, go to the doctor, and look at the ears, and look at the throat, and see what's going on. If the kid's okay, to take tests, if something is wrong. Every every responsible parent would do that. But when it comes to Rochni, it's this amazing thing. Every Jew is an expert in religion. I never met a I never met a person who's not a, an expert in religion, and an expert in Chinuch. Which is the most amazing thing. The schools are to a large extent being run not by rabbis, not by teachers, not by principals. They're being member, by members of the board who know about it, as much about Jewish education as I know about nuclear physics. <laughs> These are the people who are telling the rabbis what to teach, who are telling the principal what to say, who are telling the kids what to learn, how to dress, what to... Everything is coming from people who are mostly, totally, totally ignorant of Yiddishkeit. Totally, mostly ignorant people. But the ones who are the mechanchim, the rebbeim, the teachers, the ones who were principals who were studying, who were studying Torah for 30, 40, 50 years, they're not the experts. In, in Yiddishkeit, parents will make assumptions about their children's spiritual well-being or what yeshiva to go to, or if something's troubling the kid in, in Ruchnius, and parents will make the assumption that, that they know how to handle it completely and that they always know the right things and the right answer and so on. Certainly parents need to, to be in charge and to take responsibility. But the same way he explains in, in, in the sixth level of Shmir is that the same way that parents recognize this, that when it comes to physical things that we must confer with people who are bigger experts than us, so too when it comes to Ruchnius, when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to decisions as far as yeshivas are concerned, and as far as other important things in the child's spiritual life, to, 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 to be able to speak to someone, to ask advice from someone who knows more, who has more experience in that area, not to be stuck in this, in this thing, not to feel it's beneath my dignity to go speak to someone, or I'm embarrassed, or I'm ashamed. If there's something, God forbid, that's wrong with the child, with the child's uh, ruchnis, with the child's Yiddishkeit, to be able to speak to someone, to go speak to someone, and not to assume that you know exactly how to handle it. That's what six is about. It's a very, very important thing for every parent and for every teacher. And finally, v'hadavah shvi, and this is what we're going to pick up on next time. Just another three minutes. V'hadavah shvi hu, hadavah sheschal nevoi esayinim shel tefila. Davening. I spoke about this. In, I spoke about this in the shi that I gave a couple of weeks ago in the shul for South Shore. That we had the thing in the shul on education. Davening. I'm not going to go into this at length now. Probably half of that shi was on this subject. Davening for the children. Davening for them all the time. It's the most powerful, passionate tefillahs that we can give to Hashem should be about our children. To daven to Hashem is brought for all of our children. Obamas, he says, means for their ruchnis, not just for the gashim, of course that they should be healthy and everything should be okay, but for their ruchnis. And the whole idea of davening for Ruchmis is a very big subject in Halacha, how that works. But it works, and it's the most powerful thing. There is no tefillah that's more, that's more effective than a mother or a father, a grandparent, a grandmother, grandfather, davening for the child from the Enoch. There's nothing that's more powerful than a parent's tefillahs. Nothing. V'chein menahal or shiva. A rabbi, a teacher also, and a principal, davening for the children, the students. My rabbi is Echad Sakhlev Racha. He knew my name, he knew my, my mother's name. He used to daven for me. I found this out years later. 
Because his Robinson told me that, that he had he had settler, he has papers. Always he kept them under the tablecloth in the dining room, my rabbi. Papers all over all over the table with the with the names of his students. From 10, 15, 20 years, 30, 40 years before, names of students, the name and the mother's name. That she said he would always take these tzetlach out different times, and he would cry and dive in for his talmidim. From 30, 40 years before. To know the name. How many of the teachers now know the student's name and the mother's name? To dive for the child. Even if you don't dive every day, as I mean, but occasionally to dive for the students. For our own children? For our own children? All the time, every day. Zahari han neshama shalom. The Baruch gave me this neshama. This is my neshama. It was given to me to, to take care of. Happy kadosh shalom for me to watch. Lishpoch es And I have to pour out my heart. V'zahaya haderosh kol gedoy le'olam. This was the way of all the tzaddikim that I saw by my Rebbe. Levakesh l'hizchanen al talmideyim. To daven for the students. As far as parents are concerned, and there's much, much written about this, and beautiful tefillahs that you've ever seen. Look at it. Look at the tefillah. Look at the bracha that you give, that the father gives, Bez Hashem gives to the children, Erevim Kippur. Right? Look at it. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's an Read it in English. You don't. You don't have to write Yom Kippur to say that. You can say that any day of the year. And there are hundreds and hundreds of more tefillahs. You can look. They have books now in Hebrew and English. The tefillahs for the kids. Fill the tefillahs for the children. Look at the Machsa Yom Kippur. You could daven that. You could say that every Friday night. You could say that every day. For the, the davening for the child. By Birchas Torah in the morning, when you make the Birchas Torah, I shake some of us on When you make the Birchas in the morning for learning Torah, there's the to daven especially to daven that the boys' hearts should, the heart of the, of the boy should open up for the learning of Torah. That our that our daughters should understand the Ratzon Hashem. Their hearts should be open to God's will. There's no more powerful time. If you ever had a bris, if you ever had a bris, and when the and when the, and when the brach is made and the cut is made and the baby cries, don't lose that moment. You could daven for your children. Unbelievable tefillas by brismila. Unbelievable tefillas. There are certain times you have if, if you have a husband bez Hashem, but he's well. When if he's honored with psicha to open the aron kodesh, do you know what's by psicha? What what you're standing by the aron Everybody in shul with the aron kodesh is open. All of you, when you're in shul and the Aron Kodesh is open, if you get the nice and early, and the Aron Kodesh is open, and you say it tefillah for your children when the Aron Kodesh, Hashem is open up my child's heart to, to, to love you. Open up my child's heart and, and mind to understand your authority. You know, there's nothing, nothing as powerful as that. Especially if the husband gets to go up there for psicha to tell him to chap But even if you're in the shul anywhere, the open psicha, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's all Jewish minds and hearts, especially of the children being opened up for, for tefillahs of their parents. It's the most powerful thing in the world. And when we say, before Shema, and I have a rabbi, tremendous time to daven for the kids. Hashem, help our Yetzer to be attached to you, that we shouldn't go the wrong way, that we shouldn't want the wrong thing, that our children shouldn't, God forbid, be pulled in the wrong direction. They shouldn't be torn from you in any way. And we say Hashkiveinu, meaning when you go to sleep at night, by Marv, to say Hashkiveinu, Hashem Lush Hashkiveinu, Avinu Lusholem, Levakish Sato, Hashem Tishme, we dive in Hashem's Baruch, watch my children. Watch my children during the night. Take care of my children that they should be healthy. Watch my children from all things that could hurt them in any way, from thoughts, from dreams that could hurt them. 
This is not just for our grandmothers and great grandmothers. This is for us too. Now more than ever before. Tfilis, tfilis for our children. Tears for our children. That there's nothing that's more powerful of all these shmirs than, than tfilis for children. And Rabbi Nachman, the rest of the Susa said that the mother's tfilis are immeasurably more powerful than the father's tfilis. That's for something in the Indian. Why is that? He explains in his usual way, in a very deep way. That's not for right now. Rabbi Nachman said that the mother's crying, a mother's tfilis, there's nothing in the world that has as much of an effect the kid will never know how many times you could tell that the parents say, "There's no, no, I don't know, too. My kid is off the derech after my kid's like this, my kid's like that," and and the tefillahs with real davening, with real hashtadlus, and to try to get the name also to tzaddikim, to daven, to daven, it's unbelievable the, the the results, and it can be fast and clear with tefillahs of a parent. Again, it takes work on our part, and we don't always feel like doing that, but but lemaisa. There's nothing that's more valuable than that. Now, Hashem Hashbarak should help us. We're coming to the day of the year. Purim, let me just say this to you, even though it's already late. The Purim, Purim is, the big, is, one of the, is one of the biggest, not the biggest day of davening the whole year. So you understand that the men are mostly busy with their, with their stuff, right? Women are also busy, especially if you have to make a suda and you have to get shalachmanus ready and all that stuff. But lemais, lemais, don't forget... It's an unbelievable day of tefillah. Purim, the tefillahs of Purim, because it's Ad Loyada, the din by Purim is even though normally the whole year, the whole year, if somebody comes to ask you if it's Daka, you're allowed to ask for their credentials. You know that. The whole year you're allowed to say, who are you, what are you, unless the person just looks like he's starving, then you have to write away, give him to eat. But otherwise, anybody comes to you and says, I need money, you say, what? Tell me, give me your phone number, who are you, you're allowed to ask. Purim, what's the din? Kalaposhet Yod, whoever reaches out his hand, knows from the money, you're not allowed to ask. If someone holds out for money, knows from the Sadiqan said, but that's talking about also with us in Hashem. If you on Purim, anything you ask for, Ad anything of this world, like Achashvari said to Esther Malka, Mabakashasek, what do you want, Esther Malka? Hamelech is Hashem, and Esther Malka is the Jewish people in a place of what? In the Gol in Golis in, 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 in a terrible place. And the Baruch Shalom says, because we find um, Purim is so beautiful to Hashem, and Hashem is Baruch says, Mabakashasek, what do you want, Esther Malka? Anything that you want. On Purim, the Rabbani Shalom gives us anything we ask for. And we have to dive in and not to, not, to, not to forget that at least on Purim, if you have put aside 15 minutes a half out to dive in for the children. And if you're not blessed with children, to dive in for Yiddish Kindle, to dive in for your friends, children, for nieces, for nephews, for, to, dive in for, to dive in for us. We're living in a time, it's a dangerous time, it's a scary time. We're living in things happening in Farak, where something happened last week. Well, you look super that things that are going on, uh, Ben physical gashmis and ruchnis, things that, we're, that we have to daven so much for our children. And a lot of it depends on, on, on a lot of it depends on, on, the, on the women, that the women have an opportunity that the tefillahs can be very, very strong perm, that we should be zorchim as Hashem, that we should find favor in the king's eyes, and we should be zorchim for a and lichting and perm, and the agulah shnei v'mhegim and